morning, everybody. Great to be with you in church today. Everybody out there in their cars, give us a little honk so we know you're conscious. Yeah. That's good. Uh, my my mom's mom, my, my maternal grandmother, uh, lived in North Carolina her whole life. And every now and then we'd get to go and visit, which always felt really exotic to be able to go from the west coast of Canada to North Carolina. There, there's not actually a bigger cultural difference in the continent of North America than going from being a city slicker in Vancouver to being a hayseed picker in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, out in the middle of nowhere. But I loved it. As a kid, I'd get to go over there, and twice I got to go by myself, which was so cool, because, of course, the rules in North Carolina are really different. Like, in, in the city, you can't go off by yourself. You can't, you can't just wander. In the country, they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> There's nowhere to go. Pet the horses. It's fine. You know, so I remember one time I was uh, 12 years old, g give or take, and uh, I, was, uh, I was at my grandmother's house, and she just had this one-room apartment, and she said, yeah, why don't you go for a walk, you know, for like the next day. So I left, and I started walking around, and then I realized I couldn't find her street. And I thought, well, it's a, a rural community. There's only so many streets. I'll just go. It's Magpie Avenue. That's what I'm looking for. So, you know, I decided I would continue to explore. And eventually I thought I'd, I'd bump into it. Well, I, I missed lunch. And then it got into the afternoon. I didn't have anything to drink. It was, it was really hot. You know, I thought, well, I can maybe cut through this field here where they've got these horses. And I thought all I need to do is just grab hold of this fence. And that turned out to be a real bad idea. I didn't, I didn't know electric fences were a real thing. <laughs> That's how I found out. Eventually, with no other options, I'm like, I got to go in somewhere and ask for directions. And I go into a bar. As you do at 12, I realize in Michigan, that's really common. In you know, other places, it's not. So I go into a bar, and they say, well, I don't know where Magpie Avenue is. Are you sure that you have the right address? Uh, and I said, I, I think so. So they gave me a phone book, which I'd never seen before. What is this exotic document you have? Is this the Pentateuch? Is this the word of the Lord? So I open up the yellow pages and I look for, and I realize I had the wrong street. It wasn't Magpie. It was Magnolia. I'd walk by it like four times over and over and over again. I even had the thought once, I wish she lived on that street. I know how to find it. <laughs> All that to say, if you got the wrong destination in mind, you're never going to get to the place you want to go. You spend your whole life going to the wrong location. And I think that's, as Christians, a lot of what we do. So I'm going to read here in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. It's real short, real familiar piece of the Bible, which apparently just ripped in half because of the wind. But that's okay, because it's the Lord's wind. So if he wrecks the Lord's word with his wind, it's, it's on him. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and then put it under a basket, but instead they put it on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they will see your good works and give glory to Christ in heaven. <clears throat> What's the point of being a city on a hill or a light on a stand? The point, is it to do good works? No, the, the point is to do good works so that God gets the glory. The point is glory. 
Everything that you and I are, are doing, everything that we're meant to do, the activities that we're involved in, if we're, if we're Christian people, if we're lovers and followers of Jesus Christ, if we want to be faithful, if we want to be found well acquitted at the end of our, the whole thing that we're supposed to be aiming for is giving God glory. Now, I suppose then a good question is, what's, what's the glory? There's two words for glory in the Bible. There's an Old Testament word and a New Testament word. They were written in different languages, so they don't exactly line up. The Old Testament word is the word kavod. And it means a heavy, voluminous light. So like in the Old Testament, when the Israelites were wandering through the wilderness, they followed a pillar of cloud by the day and a pillar of fire at night. The word glory is attached to both of those because it's a, a kind of an awesome and terrifying brilliance. It's so bright, you can see it in the day. It's so bright, it lights the way forward at night. That's God's glory. Glory also means like you give somebody glory, which means that you, you praise them, you bless them, you talk about their virtues. And in order for you to give them glory, they've got to earn something, right? Like there's no participation trophies in spirituality. You, you, you earn it. We, we glorify Jesus because he's the savior of the world. We glorify Jesus because he's the head of all creation. That's why in Ephesians 1, we're told that God has put all things under the feet of Jesus and made him the crown of all creation. So that, that's what the glory is. It's, in fact, here's a good formula for you because I've been thinking about this a lot over the last couple of weeks that, that glory is achievement compounded by beauty. So in order for somebody to get glory, they got, they got to earn it. They got to do something, right? But in order for that to to be legit, they not only have to do something, they have to do something beautifully or do a beautiful thing. You know, like we, we give glory in a sense to, to like Michelangelo because he was a, 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 an accomplished artist who did beautiful things. And we, we don't give as much glory to Marcel Duchamp. Anybody who know that is? Have you ever heard of Duchamp's Fountain? Right, very, very controversial work of art where somebody snuck into a museum in the middle of the night and installed a urinal and gave it a title. Um, which is really quite an achievement. I don't know how beautiful it is. I've never seen a beautiful urinal. I'm not sure I want to. If you have one, don't send it to me. I don't want to see it, you know. But real glory is something that's earned and then given. It's, it's achievement compounded by beauty. So in the Old Testament, we see glory as this terrifying brilliance. In the New Testament, the word that they use for glory is the word doxa. And that means splendor and voluminous worth. So the whole purpose of you and I being faithful followers of Jesus is to make sure that, that God gets glory. And I always ask that, you know, Carmela used to always say to me, she goes, when I, when I hear you preach, I always have the same question. And I was thinking the question is like, how could I love this man so much? How could anyone be so fortunate as to be married to this Adonis with an intellect only below Solomon's by a hair? But no, her question was, so what? Like... So, yeah, neat, neat, buddy. Thanks for the theology lesson. What does it actually mean? Like, what am I supposed to do? Well, think about it. If, if glory is this, this brilliance, this light, and if you and I live in a world of darkness, don't you think we benefit if the light gets brighter? Like, just imagine being in downtown Jackson and it's pitch black. Street lights don't work. It's middle of the night. There's no light anywhere. Um, you, you got any clue what's happening around you? You hear, hear footsteps coming up behind you? You don't know if somebody's going to kick you in the back of the knee and, and, you know, take your iPhone or, 
You, you, you got no clue what's going on. You can't see the murals. You can't appreciate that. You don't know where you're going. So if somebody turns on a light, if somebody gets glory, that's because, again, that's what the word means. Well, now all of a sudden you can see you got, you got perspective. Now you got some protection. Now you can, you got appreciation. You can look at the murals and value them. And then if that, if that light, if that glory grows and if it gets elevated, Think about what happens if all of Jackson is, is bathed in light. Now you don't feel scared anymore. In fact, the people who feel scared are the people who are out there with the intent to do wrong because they know they have no covering. There's no space for sin in the light. And you can wander in and out of town. You can see the murals. You can see the parks. You can appreciate all the cool things. Did you know I found a teeter-totter downtown this week? I didn't know that was there. That, that felt more significant to me than maybe you, but I thought that was really cool. So you get insight, you get perspective, you get protection, you can appreciate beauty. You get all this as God gets glory. Because in the same way that this metaphor of light in Jackson works, that's what it's like when, when, when you're giving glory to God in your life, when your life is oriented towards elevating and celebrating the name of Jesus, the goodness of God, man, you're going to be more grateful because you're going to see what you have to appreciate. You're going to notice the value in your home, the value in your family, the value in your job. You're going to, you're going to see better. And so real quick, here's, <coughs> here's four ways. Here's five ways that we give God glory. Did your heart fall a little? You're like, oh, he's going to keep talking longer. All right, shoot. Maybe we just narrow it down to two ways. No, no, you get five ways. One for each of the, one for each of the fingers and thumb. All right, first of all, God gets glory when we, when we worship him. When we tell God what he's worth, when we tell God why we're pleased with him, when we extol the virtues of our God, when we say thank you to Jesus, God gets, God gets glory. He's elevated in our lives, giving us perspective and wisdom and insight and security. And, and we do that not only by using our mouth, we do that by using our talents. You know, by playing instruments, by conducting ourselves with good character and business, everything we do when properly and appropriately understood is an act of worship before God. So we, get, we give glory to God by worshiping. We give glory to God through our behavior, like through our virtuous pursuits. When we help somebody else, that's why here, you know, Jesus says when you do good works. Why do you do good works? Because good works. Good works are the best apologetic. People want to talk trash about Christians, talk about what hypocrites they are. Easiest way to shut them up is not to argue, it's to love them and serve them. Don't waste all your time telling everybody how wrong they are. Demonstrate through the way that you live the goodness of God and the faithfulness of God's people. So we give God glory through worship. We give God glory through good works. We give God glory through restraint. Like when you realize you got the opportunity in an argument, for example, to absolutely decimate somebody, and you don't. God gets glory. Now you go, well, how does he get glory? I mean, they didn't know what I didn't say. Yeah, but maybe life is just bigger than them or you. Maybe God looks down on you. Maybe God reads the intention of your heart. Maybe God understands your thoughts and goes, good job, buddy. I appreciate it. And in you, Christ gets bigger. Number four, God gets glory, not just through restraint, but through when we uh, uh, abstain entirely. A little part of me wishes those were my sermon notes, because that would be great. When we abstain from certain activities entirely, like when you, when you refuse to get drawn in to a family argument. 
when you refuse to finally tell your uncle what you really think of him and all that he's done. God gets glory when you don't fly off the handle. Not only when you mediate your response, but when you remove yourself from a toxic situation entirely. God is glorified in you. And remember, glory is when Jesus is elevated and celebrated. Glory is when the light of Christ pours through your life so you get wisdom and insight, perspective, and security. That's how we benefit as we lift up the name of Jesus. And last but not least, God gets glory when we pay attention to the movement of the Spirit in our lives. When we keep one spiritual eye toward the Lord, one spiritual ear towards the Lord, when we make it our chief occupation to walk in step with the Spirit, because there will be all kinds of things that happen. Opportunities, dangers, threats, rewards, all kinds of things that happen for which we can have no appropriate plan. And the only way we navigate life's uncertainties, the only way we navigate life's surprises, the only way we can helpfully, faithfully navigate all of the complexities of the present moment is to listen to the Holy Spirit. And as the Spirit guides us through life, Jesus Christ is glorified. Now, I think this whole piece that Jesus is describing here about being a, a city on a hill and a lamp on a stand, I mean, just to come full circle is, is so cool. Because if Christ is like the sun, if he's the big light, that means you and I are like, like moons. Because we don't have any light of our own, but we can reflect the light of Jesus Christ to the world through our behaviors, through our virtues, through our worship, through our restraint, and through staying in step with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us and we'll keep singing. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you that you allow us to participate in your glory even as we give you more and more glory and we celebrate your name. We pray, God, that you would make us mindful of the way we live, how we treat others, the way we interact with the world around us. That you'd make us sensitive to the thoughts and the feelings, the emotions, the images, the memories that we have. And not be drawn in to negativity, to hatred. But instead, to be elevated with you, into you, as we become people of peace. These things we pray, Lord Jesus, in your name. And all God's people said, Amen. Honk, honk.